This is Genetic Jackpot. I'm Shannon Halligan. And I'm Nick Sloan. And today we're going to talk more about the role of genetics in health and wellness. And in an earlier episode, we talked about Nick, your weight loss journey, and how you lost 320 pounds, which I just still think is just amazing. Uh, in that episode, we talked to Emily Brown from Genetic Garden about how different genes play a role in health and we had a lot of interest in this topic because, well, first of all, you know, Nick, you lost 320 pounds. <laughs> and also, I think there are so many new ventures that are trying to capitalize on advancements in consumer genomics. And, you know, one of the things like we picked the name genetic jackpot for the podcast because it's a term people use uh, when they're talking about people who have the right combination of genes that make them, you know, say more athletic or smarter. You know, in a recent article, Nick, that you posted on our website, geneticjackpot.com, pointed out how the obesity gene is, you know, kind of an excuse rather than a predetermined destiny. And, Nick, I feel like you're the perfect example of this because of your weight loss. And so, you know, people are interested in what worked for you and how you were able to keep the weight off. Yeah, I um a lot of people listen to that podcast. Thank you so much for everybody who does listen. Um, but second of all, I kind of wanted to follow up on that because I did get some questions from emailers and from people and obviously friends of mine over the years who have seen me do what I've done. And one of the things I do hear about, and we touched on this in this in the two episodes ago, is the role genetics can play in your body. And number one, I'm not completely dismissing it. There's a lot of evidence to suggest that there is an obesity gene. There are, there are genes in your body that may help determine what, what food you might eat, what food you, that might treat your body well. Uh, so there's a lot of evidence out there. I'm not, dismiss, I'm, I'm not dismissing the science behind this. Uh, genetics well, do I think, matter. I think for you, you've kind of figured it out more by trial and error, right? Yes, yes. And, I mean, that's part of it. And my, the point is, uh, it's, genetics, they're important, but it's not, it's, you don't have a predetermined future. You know, Back to the Future is one of my favorite movies, and that's one of the themes of that movie is, you know what, the, the past is set, but your future is, it's not predetermined. One thing can change it. One thing can, you know, one action you take can change it. And, you know, the way I phrased it to people is I'm the same person, but I made two different choices. Choice one, you know, for the first 28 years of my life was lack of exercise, eating whatever I wanted to see or whatever I wanted to eat, whether it was pizza, whether it was beer, I guess you drink beer, um, pretzels, bread. That choice, that was my choice one. Choice one was me playing video games in middle, middle school and high school at around one in the morning on, on nights that I didn't have to go to school. Choice number two I made was when I was 28, 29 years old, and number I started walking a little bit, and I started eating a little less. I didn't give up everything right away. I was still drinking pop or, excuse me, diet soda. I was still eating pizza every once in a while. I was still eating tacos and things like that. But I had made the choice to start walking a little bit, and that first month I lost 20 pounds. And I think one thing that I realized right away that made this journey successful compared to the past was you you I didn't give up everything right away. You have to start slow. If you're if you can't do if you're overweight, if you're significantly overweight like I was, you can't you can't run 5 miles right away. 
you can't do insanity, you can't do P90X, you can't do any of these programs that you see on TV. You have to glide into it. And that's that's what I think I did. I did too much right away in the past, and when I would only lose two or three pounds in that first month, I would get upset with myself and quit. But this time, the first month, I, I did everything slow. I remained happy with myself. And the way I the way I put it to people is I lost weight without hating myself. And I think that's, that is so important for you to do. And this time it worked. And I think a lot of it is, it's a lot of it's mental. A lot of it is what you have, you, you have to, you have to go at your pace. You have to go at a pace that keeps you happy. You can't give up everything at once because you're going to, don't treat yourself like a prisoner. And once, once you start seeing results, there's a light bulb that clicks in your head that tells you, you know what? If I'm doing this now, what what happens if I stop eating uh, fried food? Let's, you know, what what happens if I stop eating dessert? I stopped doing that. I stopped eating dessert most of the time, and the results started coming in. So I think part of it is you have to, you, you can't give up right away. You have to try different things. And you know, number one is if you start if you start being active right away, that's going to help. Yeah. And it doesn't well, matter I, what you, if I'm sorry. Well, and I, I you know, I think the, the biggest thing too is like um you know, like we've talked about certain types of uh types of diets like there's, you know, the low calorie, low carb, low fat and you know, the the verdict is still out in terms of what the best diet is. And I think that's kind of the thing with personalized nutrition is that there isn't just one perfect equation for everyone, but you know, for you, there was something that that worked in terms of like that hadn't worked in the past, right? That is correct. And for me, you know, in just I think the the first thing I did right away that was that assisted me is I I cut back a lot of sugar. I cut out Gatorade. I cut out regular pop. I cut out regular or um I cut out cookies. I could and that's I know that sounds tough to do, but really it's not if you if you understand. I mean. Like, I, I did the 80-20 principle. If you cut out 20% of the garbage, you can still enjoy 80% of what you do. I still I still eat meat. I still eat eggs. I still eat vegetables. I still uh, occasionally eat bread because I weight lift now, so I do, I do eat carbs a little more now than I did back then. But uh, if you if you realize if you re, if you realize that you only have to sacrifice a little bit, you can still enjoy your life. I mean, I'm not locking myself in a prison, you know, in a prison cell i'm not i'm not well, just eating when, cabbage soup right well when you first yeah. though started like from the time that you started um losing weight till you know you got to your goal weight how how long did that take it took me it took me five and a half years for me to to get to that final to, because i wanted to get down to 230 and because that's the I don't always agree with what the federal government tells you to what's right, but 230 is the magic number for me for my height to be right. considered mm-hmm. not overweight. So mm-hmm. I wanted that. I wanted that label. I wanted. I did not want to be considered overweight anymore. But yeah. the first so, year I lost 200 pounds. The first year I lost okay. 200 pounds, and then you know, as crazy as it sounds, the first 200 is a lot easier than the last 100. You know, mm-hmm. it's, because once you make a, a few changes, can dramatically alter your path. Right. If you're if you're in as bad a shape as I was, you really only have to make two or three different choices to start losing weight. 
And I think, um, you know, we, we talked about dieting, and I think when, you know, the low carb, and I think diet kicks in when you're trying to get to that, when you lose those last final pounds. That's when it really matters. That's when you really especially have to, you know, kind of judge what you eat, what you do and how you do it. There's it's such a mind trick. You have to treat. You have to. That's when I started. You know, the first 200 pounds, I didn't really meal prep. I just, you know, I told myself to eat less. You don't need to eat all of this. When you mm-hmm. need to lose those final 30 to 40 pounds, that's when it gets really tough. That's when you right. have to. That's that's when I had to meal prep. That's when I had to. Uh, that's when I started getting out the scale. The you know to weigh my meat to weigh all of that. Stuff. And so, I mean, it's it's more organization. It's not just it's not just physical. And I think that's one thing that people miss. It's not just running every once in a while. It's not just going to the gym. It's not just eating less. You have to be you have to you have to be organized to do it. And that's one mm-hmm. that's one thing that I did a lot better this time than I did years ago when I tried to lose weight. Is I was a lot more organized. I I planned my meals seven to ten days ahead, and that's that's really helped me over the past year. Right, and so that was mainly low carb, higher fat content, right? That is correct. Um, and I, uh, a couple summers ago, now I, I, I must confess, after I lost 200 pounds that first year, I gained a little bit of it back because I switched jobs, I've switched industries, and that typically happens if you dramatically alter your schedule. You, you can, you can start getting back into the bad habits again. So I started doing that. Yeah. I fell off the wagon a little bit, and that's unfortunate, but thankfully I got back on. Uh, so I, 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 after doing that, I started going low-carb. In the, in the first three months, uh, I lost 75 pounds do, doing the low-carb diet. And I think uh, it worked for me, and I know some people, some people may not have enjoyed that much success, but it did work for me, and I think part of that is I was still eating the foods that I enjoy, and it gets back to the theme. The secret of weight loss is remaining happy with whatever you do. You know, if running yeah. makes you happy, go run. If lifting weights make you happy, lift weights. If doing yoga makes you happy, do yoga. If uh, if yeah, just don't cutting back it. on your food and not exercising makes you happy, do that. Well, so, and I think you know uh, one of the yeah. one of the things like with you know, different diets and things like that, you know, the, the, the science is still, there's still a lot of research that has to be done, you know, when it comes to what is best for certain people. And, you know, this one article uh, from Science Daily, this was uh, in, in November of last year, but it was, it points out research um, into a gene that causes fat cells to suck up glucose faster than normal. So, you know, in it, it says, I'm going to quote here, obesity is often attributed to a simple equation. People are eating too much and exercising too little, but evidence is growing that at least some weight gain is predetermined. New research suggests variants in a gene uh, called Ankerin B, I could be saying that wrong, could be causing millions of Americans to put on pounds through no fault of their own. The study shows that the gene causes fat cells to suck up glucose faster than normal, more than doubling their size. And so this study was conducted in mice, and it shows that the gene variation causes those fat cells to suck up glucose. Um, And when an aging metabolism or high-fat diet is added to the equation, obesity becomes all but inevitable. And that's high-fat diet, meaning just uh, not the keto diet, just a regular um, higher-density uh, diet. But they 
believe that this gene might have helped our ancestors store energy in times of famine. And in current times where food is plentiful, this variant could be fueling the obesity epidemic. So, you know, I think that when it comes to something like this, if someone has this gene, that maybe if they tried something where they didn't take in as much glucose, then these fat cells couldn't suck it up faster. So, you know, I think that's what's interesting about the keto diet is the fact that, um, you know, you're you're switching your body to, into into ketosis. So you're not taking you're not using um, glucose for fuel to fuel your body. You're using fat. So and that's yeah. why I think it is. I, I mean, it has been super successful for a lot of people. I, I can tell you, I've tried it and it it does nothing for me. But um, I maybe <laughs> I feel more energy. Um, Maybe I'm not doing it as strict as I should, so that could be the, an issue. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just think it's interesting that there are, you know, once again, it's like trial and error that there are certain things that work better for certain people. And, you know, in your case, maybe that's what was happening, right? Yeah, I mean, I absolutely. And just I, I will say this, and one of the reasons, and just a touchback, I don't necessarily stress one diet or another because I've lost weight doing low cal and low carb. But what I think what I think works for the low carb deal is if you like a lot of people like eating hot food and warm food, and I think that's what really helps with this. I mean, you can still eat meat, you can still eat eggs, and that's some of the food that I like to eat. You know, it doesn't necessarily. I'm not saying that's the right food because, like I said, I do believe there's. I do believe the food you like can be predetermined a little bit because I know a friend of mine does a vegetarian diet. I tried doing it. It's, it failed for me. I couldn't do it. And part of, and you know, part of that, even though I like vegetables, part of that was I had done it for two weeks and I didn't have any energy and mm-hmm. I didn't have any, you know, I couldn't lift weights that well. And in order to lift, lift weights, I had to start eating meat again. And as crazy as that sounds, that's, that's what happened with me. And that, that may have just been me. That may be my body. That may be my well, genes that, that told me. Not, we're not, like, promoting any certain yeah. type of diet for anyone. I'm, I, we're just talking about what's, what's yeah. worked for you. And, you know, this is your personal story. So, once again, we're not, like, telling people yeah. that they should do this, <laughs> um, just what worked and what, you know, what didn't work for you. And, and so have you been to the doctor since you've, you know, I assume in the last five and a half years, and have your health stats changed? My cholesterol has went down, uh, well, I mean, dramatically. It's still a little high on the the, the good cholesterol. I mean, the it's still a little high. I haven't gotten that down to the best levels yet. But the the, the number I'm most proud about is my blood pressure. It used to be awful. I used to be on blood pressure medication. I was in the danger zone. Like, if you see that chart, I was in the red. And you never want to be in the red. I mean, that's, it seems like that's the de facto color you want to avoid, whether it's weather. You, know, you don't want red on your radar. You don't want red anywhere. If, you, if you're in the red, you're in the bad area. I don't know why red <laughs> is the bad color, but that's what I guess we've predetermined. That's been determined. But now, five years later, my blood pressure is normal. I have normal blood pressure. And, you know, I'm sure maybe – and I'm not to, not reducing – the work that our uh, that our doctors do and that the folks who create medicine do, but I I know it wasn't just the medicine because it the medicine alone didn't bring down that number. It was the fact that I brought down this weight, which will 
increase. I mean, if you if you gain if you have a lot if you're if you're really overweight, you're going to have higher blood pressure. That's a fact. And to me, that's that's the most number that's the number I'm most proud about because obviously, you know, looks you're you're kind of you're kind of doing it for vanity reasons a little bit. Although you got to have some pride too. Uh, but the number I'm most proud about is blood pressure because that's the that's how I know that's the that's the that's the statistic that tells me what I've done the last five years matters. It, you know, I mean, you can talk about the lost pounds all you want, but that blood pressure you can't see blood. You can't you can feel it though. You know, I don't sweat I don't sweat that much anymore unless if I'm working out. I'm not mm-hmm. as nervous as I am anymore, and you know, and that's that's more of the psychological benefits, but. The blood pressure, you know, reducing my blood pressure to normal to the appropriate path is the most thing. It's the thing I'm most proud about from what the doctors have told me. Yeah, and and I just out of curiosity, do you have your favorite like go to healthy meal that you make? Uh, yes, I do. I um, I I do like the I do make I do make an omelet occasionally. I put I put the egg omelet. I have four or five eggs in there. I, and I, I put cheese in it, and I'll put a vegetable in it. Sometimes it's a green bean. Sometimes it's um, just pick your vegetable, you know, preferably green because green vegetables have fewer carbs. You know, sometimes I'll put mushrooms in there, but usually eggs eggs are my winner. And I know there's a lot of debate about eggs too, but, you know, they, they, but uh, there are a lot of good healthy nutrients. There's a lot of protein in them. So eggs yeah. are my And how about – and how about for like like when you need something sweet, do you still get like sweet cravings? Yes, I do. And this is this is where you have to get creative. I mean, you know, and this, it's both fun and frustrating because you have to this gets back to the whole trial and error thing. My sweet craving is coffee, and that's how I feel it. And I do I do cheat a little bit. I do have a I do put a packet of packet of sweetener in there, uh, one of those pink packages you see uh, at all of the restaurants. But mm-hmm. I don't drink I don't drink a ton of coffee. But you know, drinking a cup of coffee with a sweetener is a lot better for you than eating a Baby Ruth bar, a Kit Kat, or whatever. So I uh, tea and coffee. They're my that's how I kind of feel my cravings. And one of them is a hot drink. One of them is the cold drink. So. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, I still get them and you just have to, you just have to beat them. And as a matter of fact, I have, <laughs> I carry tea with me everywhere I go. Uh, and so I, that's, that's what I do. I mean, I carry tea yeah. and water with me everywhere I go and that helps me, that helps so me, that, that keeps me under control. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, I think that's great. And I think we're still going to talk about it because, um, you've, like you said, you've lost weight and then for some period of time, you know, went up a little bit, but now that you've been keeping it off and doing, uh, you know, weightlifting and things like that. So it's still a journey and I think we still have a, a lot to talk about there. But, you know, I think this goes back to, um, some of these personalized, uh, plans, personalized, uh, food, uh, recommendations. Um, you know, in this one article that I just uh, came across from the Wall Street Journal, um, talking about a new startup, uh, once again, it's called Habit, that uses DNA testing as a way to provide personalized nutrition. And so, you know, in the article, though, it does point out different issues as well. So I'm going to quote here. So for Emma Beckett, a postdoctoral research fellow in molecular nutrition at the University of Newcastle in Australia, 
personalized nutrition is the future, but she's skeptical of whether there's currently enough data to draw strong conclusions and recommendations solely from a person's DNA, as some companies do. So, you know, for conditions like obesity and cancer, she says the research hasn't advanced far enough. Before turning to personalized nutrition, Ms. Beckett says people should consider what they're already doing and start with general dietary recommendations. We just don't have enough pieces of the puzzle just yet. So I think that's exactly, you know, what you did is that, you know, we've looked at, uh, you know, general dietary recommendations, and then it's, you know, once again, trial and error and, and things like that, and figuring out what works best and, um, you know, what, like you said, you, you can stay on track with and keep motivated. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I'm not completely dismissing it, and I do think there's there's a lot to be done here because, you know, I one, one and I've pointed this out in previous podcasts, I have not taken a DNA test yet. And it's something I'm probably going to do very soon here, and I'm looking forward to it. But one thing I am curious about would be how I would have done if I had taken this DNA test six years ago. Maybe mm-hmm. there maybe there could have been an outline. Maybe there could have been a way for me to, you know, well, not, not, not that losing 300 pounds in five years is bad at all, but maybe there's a way that maybe there would, be, there would have been a roadmap, a clearer roadmap for me, rather than trial and error. And it's good that I did trial and error, and I'm glad I figured out what worked. But maybe there would have been a, a stronger road path where I would not have had to waste time, where I would not have had not not that it was a waste of time, but where I would not where I could have just done something and it would have came off a lot better without a lot of adjustments. So I do think right. there is there is a role for companies like these. There is a role for you know testing your DNA and maybe, hey, you know, maybe two or three years down the road, that's the key, that could be the key to beating obesity is maybe, you know, maybe it is in your genes. Maybe we can figure out what exactly, what, what exactly we can eat to make us lose weight at a faster rate rather than diet pills, rather than all these other magical things you see on TV. Maybe it is in the genes. Maybe, so I, you know, I'm excited to see where stuff like this goes. Right. Yeah. Or maybe if there's something, too, that could be super harmful or could trigger something. Um, yeah, there's a lot to be learned. And so, um, you know, I, I know I know we're going to keep on discussing this because, you know, that this is one of the big uh, topics that, uh, you know, why we started this podcast, because I think we're both curious about different advances and what works and what doesn't work, just like diets. And so, you know, I think there's a lot to look forward to, but currently research is still developing and we'll continue to follow those advances. But be sure to check out our website, geneticjackpot.com, as well as our social media sites. This is Genetic Jackpot.